Well, what a great day to be here with the saints. Amen? A great day to come together to encourage one another, to build one another up. Uh, I'm not sure if you came in here heavy-hearted. I'm not sure if you came here overwhelmed. But I know somebody, all right, his name is Jesus. Uh, and, and he has sent his Holy Spirit to be able to give you a comfort and a peace that's beyond all understanding. Amen. I'd like for you to join me in going to the Lord in prayer and just asking that he would be with us in this, uh, this proclamation time. Father, I give you praise and thanks for your goodness to us. Lord, you're constant in, in your faithfulness and you are there for us whenever we need you. Lord, even in the times when we don't recognize you, you're there for us. And so I pray today that you would help us. Help us, God, to understand the truths that we find in your word, what your scripture is trying to say to us and reinforce to us so we can be the uh, most effective and live a li the life that is most fulfilled, uh, bring glory and honor to you. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. We pray you would bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, whenever you get to proclaim the word, it's awesome. And uh, today we're in this series, we're continuing on, is How Well Do I Know God? Say that with me. How well do I know God? Now, there's some of you who've been in the church for a long period of time. I'm not going to talk about what's long and what's short, all right? But it's, it's, you know, a long time would probably be, I guess, in excess of 10 years or so. But, but some of you could almost probably be said that you grew up here, all right? And it's part of the central family. And now that's how rich this church is, filled with all kinds of heritage, some 95 years. And, and what I found is even though I've been serving the Lord since I was four years old and just a few years ago, okay? And, uh, you know, I, I, I found that I can constantly be learning more about him and the more that I learn about him the more I become confident and strengthened in my faith there's a number of people today who've known about God for a long period of time but what they've known about him haven't taken them to the next level and when the blows of life start to happen all of a sudden there comes a shrinking away in their faith rather than an intensity in your faith now the problem with that is the word of god declares that them trials and those tests are going to come to cause for you to be a persevere all right someone who can persevere and that your faith might be increased because of the tests and the trials <laughs> but if you don't know god if you're not increasing in your knowledge of God, if you're not aware of these principles that we've been talking about, all right? Give me the first principle we talked about. We, we'll go to the scripture verse, I guess, first. We'll, we'll do that, okay? Next, please. We've been basing this off of the passion that God has for us when he inspired the apostle Paul to write this scripture. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In other words, it's not just automatic. There's a prayer that's necessary. You just not naturally have this, but you would get it so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance of the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Say, I'm the us. <laughs> that's me, all right? Now, we've been reading it also from the message version because I think it makes some things a little bit more clear. He even says, but I do more than think. I, I want you to understand, it's not just a, an appreciation or gratitude within my heart, but I ask, there's an intensity with it and an intention. I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Your eyes focus and clear so that you can see exactly what he's calling you to do. 
But you can grasp the immensity of his, this glorious way of life that he has for Christians. And oh, say oh. <laughs> oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. Endless energy, boundless strength. Now, how many of you know, as much as they try to package it up into a little tablet, it's not endless. But when you tap into him, you tap into him, you partake of him on a regular basis, it becomes endless and boundless. If I was to ask you, where is God? How would you answer that? In our hearts, that's right. All right, everywhere, someone says. Is he in heaven? Yeah? Is he in Zimbabwe? He's everywhere. Psalm 139, verse number seven says this. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, and if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and will hold me fast. Previous two weeks, we were talking about how God, he knows everything. That's important for us to know. And last week, we talked about how important it is for us to realize what? That he's all-powerful. And today, we're talking about where he's at. We're talking about his omnipresence. God never has to go anywhere because he's always everywhere. The title of this message today is, he is here, there, and everywhere. You've said that about some individuals. You kind of look around and wonder, how can they be and accomplishing and getting done so much? Well, it's true of God when you say it, Amen. Jeremiah 23, 24 says, I am a God who is everywhere and not in one place. Do you not know that I am everywhere in heaven and on earth? Another version says, I fill heaven and earth. There's no point in the universe where God is not. It's called his omnipresence. And I love it that he is all-knowing. His, omnip- his omniscience. I, I mean, I, I, I love that. I love it that he is omnipotent, all-powerful. But there's something for me with this particular message today. When we talk about this character, this attribute of him, when you talk about his omnipresence, that kind of takes things and seals it all together. Because his presence is what I want more than anything else. I can't really ever be convinced of and excited about him knowing all things if I can't experience his presence. I can't really get excited about his power unless I know that he is present with me to be able to help me out. You know what I'm saying? His presence is what you were made for. He made you so that you could have fellowship with him. He wanted to be in your presence. He wanted you to be in his presence. He's here. He's there. He's everywhere. And I believe that if we could answer that question about how well do I know God, if we could really take a look and say to ourselves, I wonder if I'm living in a manner or a way that shows that. Or have I partitioned off and, and, and only consider God to be here when I 
call upon him or when I recognize him. There was this old drama that we did in, in, uh, in youth a number of years ago, but really just doesn't get over with this, uh, done with, overdone with its message. And that is that we would go to various places and, and we would have the young people who would act out and, and uh, they would accept Jesus Christ in their heart and they'd ask him to you know, be there and be a friend to them and they, they'd begin to be there in their Bible study and they'd be with the, uh, at God at church and, and this, this imagery of this little skit was that, that here they were and Jesus was following around behind them. And then all of a sudden there was an invite to go to a particular place that, you know, that it was a days of old kind of place that they went to. And all of a sudden they looked back at Jesus. The young person would say, you know what, how about you stay here right now because I'm going to kind of go over here. Lending to the idea that somehow we can say to God, God, you know what, I can go someplace where you can't. The problem with that is that you can't. You can't partition him off. You can't compartmentalize him. You can't say, I don't need you here right now. He is where? Here, there, and everywhere. It's important for us to realize that. Now, that doesn't mean that God is everything. That'd be pantheistic, right? But he is, he is, he is where? Everywhere, all right? Now, I know it, it, it gets a little confusing. Sometimes the, the things that we've done, how many of you remember that particular song? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see for the... Where? Hold on, hold on. Where was he? The Father up above, looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little hands, what you touch. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. Be careful, be careful, be careful, because this Father, who isn't everywhere all the time, you know what I'm saying? Now, you might say, well, that's what we're trying to get across, that he is everywhere. But you know, we somehow put this idea that he's up above. We should still sing the song. I'm not trying to crush it. I'm not trying. All you grandparents out there, go ahead and teach it. But but be aware that you show them. that When he's up above, that means he sees everything. But I wonder if there's been a disconnect. Because we've taken a look at God and that he's up above and not realizing that he's right here alongside. (laughs) There's nowhere that you can go that he cannot see you. He is aware of you wherever you go. Acts chapter 17, verse 28 says, He is not far from us, for in him we live and move and have our being. You don't have life apart from God. You don't exist apart from God. You don't have to be a Christian in order to realize that you would have not have any existence apart from God. He holds everything together. And you know what? We need to recognize it. There are radio waves, there are television waves that are all around us. There are frequencies right now in this room. And if you could somehow dial into that frequency, if you could somehow tune it in and get on the same frequency level, you could hear what kinds of messages are being broadcast across that wave. The Holy Spirit's all around. He is all around everywhere. 
The problem is our tuners not all the time tuning things in right. The problem is sometimes how well we think we know God is that, you know, he's out there somewhere and there's some things that he knows and other things he doesn't. And certainly, if he knew what I was going through and if he was real, then he'd be helping me out. Right? God is everywhere, but all too many times, too many times, my natural reaction is, yeah, I know that. I want to know if you really know that. I want to know what difference that it makes in your life if you can understand that he is here, there, and everywhere. Come on, I want you to say that with me every time. He is here, there, and everywhere. What does it mean to you? You see, God's presence in your life will only make a difference when you come to understand that you can't leave him someplace else. One of the places that I think that is important for us to understand where God is near is when I'm broken. Psalm 34, 18, from the, new, the Good News Version, says the Lord is near to those who are discouraged. He saves those who have lost all hope. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. James Dobson wrote a book a long time ago, When God Doesn't Make Sense. Or there's another book that's been written, Where is God When It Hurts? The question or the answer that these authors are trying to write or, or the, the message they're trying to get across is that God is right there with you all along. But I can promise you in the midst of a tragedy, in the midst of a trial, that you will be challenged and wondering where is God? And if you don't really know him well enough, then you could be convinced that he had to take off on sabbatical or something. You could be convinced that maybe this was one of his days of rest because he needed it. He's worn out. <laughs> Thing is, God knows when you're not making it. He knows when you're frustrated. He knows when you're experiencing a tough time. He knows when you're ready to give up. He knows when, when you're ready to chuck the business or the marriage or the kids. He knows what things are going on in your life every moment of the day. And so some deduct, well, since he knows it, and then the if, if he's a loving God, then he ought to kind of step in because you said he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, and he's ever-present, so something ought to happen different than what's happening in my life. Why this tragedy? There's many tragedies that we could speak of today, many things that people are going through. We all could sit and talk about all the things that just have weighed on us heavy and wonder, where was God? But I want to dial in on one particular one today. And it's, it's an area, like I said, that is just, we have our guest here today, Jody, and I'm so thankful that you're here with us. And I'm going to ask you to come on up here if you would, please. But we're going to deal with an area. Yeah, just welcome her, all right? There you go. God bless you. Thank you for that wonderful uh, solo, and uh, we appreciate you so much uh, uh, being here. But I want to deal with the subject matter of vulnerable, or the abuse of vulnerable individuals. This is an area that, for the church, it's, it, it's really, really essential 
that we dial in and realize is a problem in society today. It's a problem because there are individuals out there who want to set up in the church. If the, ch- the church, we're, we're, we're restoring people, right? We're forgiving people. We open up our doors and say God can do and work through anybody and do anything. And how many of you know I believe that? But because of that, sometimes our guard comes down and there's not some places where we have safety measures in place to prevent individuals from doing wrong things, from those wolves coming in in sheep's clothing. And we've got to be a church... The church itself, the kingdom has to be a church that watches out for those things and is aware of those things, and and sometimes we're not. And Jody comes here with us today to share a a very tragic story of something that happened to her, but yet God, who is where? Here, there, and everywhere, was able to help her through this process. And Jody was one of those vulnerable young people Jody, why don't you go ahead and, 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 and share. When abuse, there was abuse that began in, in your life and in your family. It was physical. It was sexual. It was, it, it was within you, in your family. Yes. Yeah, go, go ahead and just give us a, mo- a little. My dad was an alcoholic, but we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And my abuse started when I was five years old. And my father said, he touched me. Mm. My father said, you're daddy's special little girl, and this is our secret. And if you ever tell your mom, it will kill her. And my mother was very ill, taking care of six children. She, they had My parents had seven children in nine years. And, my, of course, my father was an alcoholic. Um, but growing up in Sunday school, we didn't always want to go. But seeing, looking back now, playing my flute, I started playing my flute when I was about eight years old. And my parents had to ask me to stop practicing because I loved it so much. I played all the little choruses that I learned in Sunday school. And I knew what my Sunday school teachers told me, that God will never leave me or forsake me. And even though I was just had a tender heart, I was still just a young child. I don't know if I could actually say back then that I felt his presence in my life, but when I played those little choruses with the words from the scripture... I felt always happier instead of sad and, you know, crying all the time and, and not feeling well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that started at five years of age? Five years of age. And then, and then more sexual, sexual advances happened and, and from nine to 13, eight to 13, which raped. was? Rape, raped. Raped from, from age seven to 13. Seven to 13. And as a result of that, you, you grew up into a, a young adult. And how did this affect your life? I mean, what as happened from that point on? Mm-hmm. For some reason, I, I don't know why. I was so um, engrossed in my music. My siblings and I were all in the junior high, um, high school marching and symphonic bands. And we were in mu- Monday Musical, and we played at, you know, mm-hmm. ministered at various churches in the community. Um, I kind of put it out of my mind. That's the way I coped with it Mm. until it stopped at age 13. Mm -hmm. I knew God was with me, but busy, busy as a teenager. Mm -hmm. And then as a young adult, though, some things started to happen. How did it affect you and and really challenge you in your life and the way you live life? Well, I suffered um, 
tremendous emotional, physical, and mental, mm -hmm. uh, mentally, and um, I don't know if I can say this or not. Yes. I could not go to the bathroom. Mm. Victims oftentimes shut down from their waist on down. I had mm. to be, I had to learn how to go to the bathroom again at UNC Chapel Hill. Um, they actually hooked computers up to me mm. <laughs> to watch me go to the, to the bathroom. Sure. Uh, I was not well. I cried all the time. I became a perfectionist. I mean, it brings new meaning to the word OCD. Mm -hmm. All my shirts, short sleeve white, long sleeve white. Mm -hmm. And even my hangers, I was talking to Shannon about this last night. My hangers were color, if they didn't yeah. have clothing on them, color coded. A perfectionist to the extreme to where it almost um, ruined my children. Yeah, sure. And prior to that, the experience that there was some promiscuity that developed in your life and you were looking for. I was looking for love in all the wrong places uh, for a time period when I was a single woman. Um, my husband left me. He had an affair with my with my brother's uh, wife. So I was a single parent for quite a few years. And I thought that the only way I could be content and happy was in the arms of another man. Hmm. And so... <laughs> all this time knowing yeah. I tried to run from God and have fun. Mm-hmm. But you know that feeling that you get? Like anxiety. Oh, I wish God wasn't here in my <laughs> in my life right now. I could feel his presence all the time. And of course he gently brought me back to himself. Yeah. And then of course my dad was prosecuted and served uh, three years of a six to twenty year sentence and died after three years mm. in prison. And at different times dad professed to no Christ came and had an experience and why do we bring this up why do we do this because there's some t statistics I want to share with you if you can go to that that statistics page please but this is something that Jody presented it to us and I'm just going to fast track through these Jody but every nine minutes the child protective services substantiates or finds evidence for a claim of sexual abuse every nine minutes People wonder why we have problems in America today. This isn't just a church problem. This is a, a, a cultural society problem. But we need to realize that people that are out there are hurting. And for me to just come to people and say, listen, God loves you, he cares for you, and, and he's always there, without more action steps behind, beyond that, leaves them vulnerable to thinking all the wrong things about God. And so we're trying to learn. We want to equip you because that's what the pastor is supposed to do for works of service so that you can realize this is a reality what's going on. People are hurting really, really bad. So we need to pray, first of all. But we need to become activated. The second thing is here, go ahead. Uh, we won't hit all those line items there, but of all the victims under 18, two out of three are ages 12 to 17, just as was explained here uh, by Jody. 34% under the age of 12 and 66% underneath the ages of 12, or between the ages of 12 to 17. It, it, it's uh, the things and the, the stats that are there um, also says 82 of all victims are 18, uh, under 18 are female. This is not meant and shared with you to create a skittishness or to say that the church itself is hiding things, but guess what? You'd have to bury your head in the sand to not realize that Things have been happening in other denominations and fellowships, and there's lawsuits and things that are happening because 
we've we tried to brush it under the rug and and it's it's not acceptable next slide if you would please in uh fiscal year 16 alone child protective services uh substantiator found strong evidence to indicate that 57,000 children were victims of sexual abuse go ahead go ahead and of course that's not really accurate mm. because many victims do not report because because they're afraid sure 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 afraid of the perpetrator mm -hmm. and then the last slide please so perpetrators of child abuse are often related to the victim and that's the most m one of the most morbid things twisted ment you know, mental problem that there is that someone would ever think to hurt a little one but it's, it is a reality what's going out there and it's like y y we need to put in place protection barriers we need to be aware of the things that is going on out there so that we can be what God wants us to be, all right? Agents and ambassadors for him. And we realize that even by sharing this, we have a ministry in the church and, and uh, they, they minister on a regular basis um, and um, the name is escaping me, help me out. Shelter from the Storm, thank you. And uh, so thankful for that, that ministry that ministers not just to people within our church but uh, who don't even go to church anywhere, who have been abused or had something like this that's happened in their life and and i'm so thankful for that but let's get to the victory story you're here today why why would you still be here today what are you what are you convinced of god's grace and healing if you trust him it takes a lot of courage it takes a lot of courage to heal from something so traumatic but having christ in my life from a young child I trusted him, and he healed me. Mm. Give the Lord praise. Thank you so much. God bless you. I'm going to do that right now. Yes, yeah, thank you. So Jody has a book that's coming out. Give me the, in, in, in what, how, what time frame? The end of November. The end of November, a book is going to be coming out. She's going to be giving the full story of the count that's there. Uh, Gary Chapman, author of the Five Love Languages and, and an awesome uh, counselor to many Christians throughout the years, uh, has endorsed this, has wrote a forward on it. We're really excited uh, about that book for you to be able to bring healing to other people and say, this may have happened to you, but God is here, there, and everywhere. Amen. Thank you so much, Jody. God bless you. In addition to that, Jody is going to be being interviewed. If you follow the Aglow Muskegon, uh, she is going to be uh, being interviewed tomorrow night on Facebook Live. And uh, if you want to tune into that, then you can do that. All right, and it's uh, it, it'll just, I'm sure it will really be informational for you. That will be able to give you some good information and healing process. You know, this I, I said I want to deal with this this, this tragedy. I, I, that's this. In, in this 10 minutes that we've taken with this, I can hardly fix the issue. But I think we need to create an awareness that he is here, there, and everywhere so that we can pray for individuals that in the midst of whatever's going right on right now, I don't know the names. I don't know if something happened to you in your childhood. It's, it, is, it is utterly amazing how many times that I have found and had conversations with individuals and found out how they have been vulnerable and someone took advantage of them and it has forever changed their life. And, and it was hard to get over. There's a lot of people out there who's having a hard time getting over some things. And it's not without cause. I wonder if we'll be passionate enough, compassionate enough, sensitive enough to be able to say to people, 
we care about you. And I realize that you've been given a false narrative of who this God is and even about what he should do if he, he loves you. But I could tell you this. He's there to also help you to heal from the tragedy and to come through those wounds. Psalms 116 verse 8 says, The Lord stopped my tears and kept me from defeat, so I walk in the presence of the Lord. I kept on believing even when I said I'm completely crushed and even when I was afraid and said no one can be trusted. Who says that? King David, a man after God's own heart. I'm crushed beyond despair. I can't trust anybody. I can't even fathom and ponder the idea of his presence. But I make a choice to walk in his presence. I make a choice to believe him at his word. You see, his, this, this presence gives me strength. It renews me. It, give, it takes and lifts up my heavy heart. This presence, when I become a re, realizing it and acknowledging it, he gives me a sense of new vision. Key for each of us to keep on keeping on is to overcome a tragedy such as that. If you're here today, I don't want to downplay what has happened to you. I, I, we, we want to help you. I don't have to be the one to know, but if you don't know where to reach, you don't know how to get the help that's necessary, then, then reach out to one of us, the ladies, this, this Aspire thing. I, 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 please come to it, all right? You, you build relationships you know, with, with people. Come to Keeping It Real, the events that we have there. Build relationship with people and, and reach out and, and, and go to Sheltered from the Storm. If you're not in the class, you can't be there. You could talk to, to Hester uh, Teal and to Barb Dorsey. Am I looking around and see where Barb's at? Is she here today? And uh, this, is Pat, this is Hester Teal. Raise your hand, Hester, please. Yeah, yeah. She's a, 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 a vulnerable victim as well who uh, suffered at the hands of uh, just horrible things but is an overcomer. Let's say that with me. He is here, there, and everywhere. So what else do I need to know this? We're just going to go through these uh, final three points really quickly. Praise him. If you come, please, I'd appreciate it. When I'm lonely, God is near. How many of you know that when you're lonely, God is near? Psalm 25, 16 says, Turn to me, Lord, and be merciful because I am lonely. Do you know when people get lonely? Times of death. When they're successful, when they're failing, when they're uh, overwhelmed, when they come to church. Do you know those lonely people that's here in this church? But the Bible says that God said that he wants to have relationship and he wants you to have relationship and he gave us to one another. Some people would look upon this and, you know, theologically they have a hard time getting past it. But what is the first thing that God said after he created all of creation? Does anyone know what he said? It is good, all right. Then he said something else. He looked at the creation of man and he said what? Okay, he said that too. You're good, you know that stuff. But he also said it is not good for man to be alone. Yeah. Don't be alone. God never meant for you to be alone. He is here, there, and everywhere. And he meant for his spirit 
to be in each and every one of us to share the common denominator that we can reinforce the reality of God in the lives of those of the people around us. You see, you were created to become an image bearer of God. You were created and you're like, oh my goodness, I can't do that. Who can be God? That's scary to expect this. I could say like Paul, be like me as I am like Christ. How many of you get a little scared about that? If you say, hey, if, if, if it was dependent upon the whole world coming to know Jesus by just looking at the way in which I live my life, would there be enough proof? Would there be enough encouragement? Would there be enough in, uh, in, in, inspiration that they would say, well, there's no other way to do it. Just look at Sam. Just look at John. Just look at Frank. Just look at Heather. I, I don't know. But isn't that what we were created for? And there's people who are lonely all around us. And he's saying, listen, I didn't create you for that. I am here, there, and everywhere. The other thing that, you know, we need to be uh, concerned about, or I mean, not concerned about, but aware of is that, how many of you ever fight with worry? Anyone ever fight with worry? Come on. But he says, do not be anxious, right? For anything. Make our requests known to the Lord. Isaiah chapter 42, verse uh, 2 and 3 says, When you go through deep waters and great troubles, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you won't drown. When you walk through the fires of oppression, you won't be burned up. Reading that verse right there puts anxiety in some people right now. They miss the whole promise that he is here, there, and everywhere, and they concentrate upon the fact that it's going to happen to them, and then worry comes. They miss the part that says, this is how well I know God. He is all-knowing, he is all-powerful, and he is everywhere, and therefore, whatever I'm going through, even though I'm going to do this stuff, he is able to be there with me. I will come out on the other side, and as long as I don't cast off my faith, as long as I don't get to that place and start believing the lies of the enemy, I can be a victor. I could be an overcomer as well. Think about how bad of a day it was for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Caught between a rock and a hard place. A little lonely, you think? A little lonely. All the rest of the nation. All those other captives. Bowed down. Listen, not going to do it. Why would they do it? Because they were convinced that our God is able to save us. He's able to deliver us. But even if he does not, we're not going to bend, we're not going to bow, and guess what? We're not going to burn. And it was so, it was so intense, the heat. They were bound up when they went in. The ropes burned off of them, but didn't harm them. They went in, and there was someone who looked like the Son of Man, the Son of God was in there. No one knew who the Son of God looked like, but they knew this was evidently divine. And they're walking around, and they're unharmed. (laughs) 
people threw them in, died. Supernatural intervention stuff happening right then and there. And when they came out, he said, hey, why don't you guys go ahead and come on out? You're not burning up anyway. <laughs> Wouldn't it be cool for the devil to get so frustrated with your stamina? To get so, so, so fed up with, I'm trying everything I can to do to take you down. Okay, come on out of there. You're killing me. You're killing me right now. I'm trying to detour you. I'm trying to derail you. I'm trying to distract you and take you out. But guess what? It's not working. You're only making further verification of the power of an almighty God, of the presence of almighty God. Why don't you go ahead and come on out of there? People want to know how it is that you can get out from underneath the attacks of the enemy. You just got to get bolder and stronger in your head and an awareness so that he is here, there, and everywhere. He's not going to leave you alone, right? He's not going to leave you alone when it comes to sin. Go ahead, the last point there, all right? You see, you may feel embarrassed because of temptation. Anyone ever been embarrassed because of temptation? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, No temptation to seize you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can hear, bear. He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. I'll tell you what, the enemy is trying to convince you that the very temptations that come against you are because there is sin in your life and there's obviously something wrong with you and you're bent towards sin and, and therefore you're going to do it inevitably and there's just really no hope for you. Except the promise of that passage that we just read that says, guess what? He said his presence is everywhere. He's not going to allow for more to come upon me than what I'm able to be able to bear up under, Right? He's going to do what's necessary to bring me through. And, and, and while we can be prone to put ourselves in our, our little eyes, looking at wrong things, our mouth saying and speaking wrong things, I mean, I, I know that, that, that snowball effect that's going on. I, I'm telling you today, it's about time for the body of Christ to rise up and say, God Almighty is right here with me. He's not, I don't have to wait for him to come. And, and, and we're going to sing a song in closing here. And the name of this song is When He Walks Into the Room. Now, there's a problem with that song if you don't approach it correctly theologically. And that is that you're expecting that he's out of the room before we sing the song. I want that room for you to be an acknowledgement of right here and here. When he walks into that room, the room of the place where he is revered, the place where he is acknowledged, the place where he is respected. When I open up my heart and my mind and he walks in the room, he has the ability to change things, to alter the very course of the direction of my life. You see, you may have been hurt. You may be lonely. You may have feel overwhelmed and worrying about things. But guess what? God is there for you. He is here. He is there. And he is everywhere. Amen? Bow your heads with me. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I pray you'd come. I pray, God, that this, this truth, that you wanted our eyes to be enlightened and open, that we can ascertain, that we can understand, that we can realize things about you that we certainly, in and of by ourselves, cannot do. Your spirit, who is here, there, and everywhere, will work in us. 
and will take us to the next level. We'll get ready for the next attack. We will say, Lord, I don't like where I'm at. I don't like what's going on. I, I, I don't want to face this temptation. I'd rather not. And he says, don't you know that my grace is sufficient? All, you, all we could think about many times, church, is getting rid of the thorn. And what he's saying is, how about just trusting in him and say, God, you've got to do this. You've got to remove this. The worry, the loneliness, the tragedies, the brokenheartedness. Lord, I pray right now that you begin to be the healing salve to every person that's in here. We don't downplay these things. We recognize them as real, but we receive your word. Your word that says you're fighting for us, that you've never left us, you haven't forsaken us. So here's what I want to do. If you're here today and you're struggling with any of those areas, every head is bowed and every eye is closed, and right now there is a brokenness within you where you need the Holy Spirit to come in and heal you. Would you lift up your hand? You're here in this place today. God sees that. God sees that. I, I love it that I look at you and I know so many of you by name. God sees you and knows you. I want to call you out. But the Holy Spirit right now calls you out by name. He knows your name and he says, I've got you. How, who here today is struggling with loneliness? With loneliness. You lift up your hand right now. Come on, be, be transparent with God because he knows it all anyway. You can't hide it from him. Who's here? I see that hand. those hands. God bless you. He's going he's gonna to do something for you. How many here today is overcome with worry? worry? You sense it's there. There's an anxiety. There's an anxiousness. And, and you've had us, and I've said it, you know, I mean, to worry is sin. And that's to the point where you don't trust God. But, but you, you just say, I need him to come in. And, and he sees those hands. You can put those down. And lastly, some of you here today are just really struggling with temptation. And they're struggling to the point to where you just don't feel like you can ever get over it. And you've given in, and it's gone beyond temptation. You participated in the sin, and you're ashamed. But even, to, even the temptation, you're saying, I need to be delivered in the sense of, not that I won't ever have temptation, because that's always going to be there, but realizing that God is there with me in the midst of the temptation. If that's what you're saying today, that's what I need. I need it. Would you lift up your hand right now? There's some temptation going on in my life that I realize right now, if I could become aware of his presence i do it different. Things would be happening different for you. God bless you, each and every one of you. I've dealt with the people, the house of God, the people who are here. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You could see here and know today that just when you accept him doesn't mean that all that stuff's going to go away. But it gets you on the right path. It secures a peace that passes all understanding for you. If you're here today and you want to get your life right with God, would you lift up your hand today? Say, Pastor, pray for me. I want something new to start in me. I want something to happen. God bless you, sir. I see that hand. Anyone else? God bless you. Where are you at? I see I see at least one hand. Is there anybody else making a recommitment to the Lord today? Come on, he's calling out for you. The enemy wants to tell you it's too big of a walk. You'd have to do it alone. You're not going to worry. Things aren't going to happen. The temptation will overtake you. I'm telling you that he's here for you. Where you at? Hmm. God bless you. God bless you. I see that hand. Another. God bless you. Yes. Yep. I see that. God bless you. Got at least two individuals right now. You put your hand down. 
Church family, will you pray this prayer with these individuals right now who God loves so much and affirm your faith to him as well? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us so much that you sent your own son, your one and only son, to pay the price for my sin. I believe that he's your son. I believe that his sacrifice was enough to take away my sins forever. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Those two individuals, God's got great things in store for you. I want to talk with you. I want you to take and put that on a connection card or come and talk with me or one of our other pastors. We want to help you to be able to grow. We've got a, a great book up here that's just right here. It's called Now What? And I want you to be able to go ahead and read that, pick that up, all right, and be able to and, and, uh, go from there. Will you stand to your feet in this place? It is true that I close out many, most of our services with a song, but these songs, I believe, are born in the psalmist's hearts and depict what I think that we really need to grab a hold of today. So you leave whenever you've got to leave. Know that God loves you. He's here for you. But some of you just need to spend some time around an old-fashioned altar. And do you well to step out of your seat and to just you raise your hand for any one of those things? And do you well to come up and say, God, I need to be aware of your presence more today than I ever have before. I'm tired of the tragedies that happened in the past stopping me from going forward to the future. I'm tired of the loneliness, the worry. I'm tired of the temptations limiting me. So move in my heart, in Jesus' name.